now for all of those listening from around the world. This is the moment you've been waiting for. It's time! And now, introducing the host, a strength and conditioning coach, real estate investor, athlete manager, and amateur food critic. He stands five feet, 11 inches tall, and he's on the road to 185 pounds. Podcasting from around the world by way of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Thank you, Bruce, and welcome to another episode of The Road to 185 Show. I am your host, Jared Saavedra. Today's special guest, we got my man, Stan Pearson. Stan is a entrepreneur, consultant, public speaker, and stand-up comic. He's going to take you through the world of public speaking and how it can help you close business deals. Stan has something that he calls The Roadmap. MAP, that's going to help you think about how to deliver your message to the audience and be the best public speaker that you can be. Remember, he's also going to talk to you about the difference between being a good talker and a great speaker. So make sure you have your pen and paper ready. Let's start the episode. Dan, thanks for joining me today, brother. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for the listeners out there, like, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you got you are today. I'm a rock star. I want to leave you, you with that. You well, are, man. You are. <laughs> you are, brother. I, do you remember the first time we met? Yeah, it was a... Uh... It, wasn't. it was on a boat. It was on a boat in Atlanta. I don't know if it was Lake Lanier or somewhere. Lake Lake Lanier, like several years ago now. Man, it had to be about six or seven years ago. Heck yeah. Yeah, that dude. Fun day. Yeah. yeah, that was a great day. And ever since then, we we connected. And it's it's been awesome to see your journey, dude. So I've seen it for, what, six, seven years, brother. So I'm proud of you. Man, thank you so very much. So the celebrity mindset consultant and, and uh, award-winning speaker and I teach people how to be a better version of themselves from the inside out, from the neck up via mindset, and also helping folks improve their ability to speak publicly, not just be great talkers, but be great speakers. So what's those, the difference? Those, if someone asked you, what's the difference between a good speaker and a good talker, what would you say? A lot of people are great talkers. Babies, kids are great talkers. You know, and I think sometimes people get confused because, they're, oh, well, I'm comfortable in front of people. But that doesn't mean that you're communicating your message well. It just means that you're comfortable speaking in front of other people. So, the, you know, when you're a great speaker, you're intentional about the language you use and the way that you connect with your audience, regardless of who your audience is. And that's the primary difference. And honestly, that's a big difference. Uh, that's what keeps people from getting paid with longevity and paid well as a speaker, because they're just comfortable talking. But it's, it's an art form. 
It is. It really is. So what, what's your educational background? Well, okay. So I have my undergraduate degree in, in Spanish. Entonces yo hablo español. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> okay. Okay. So lived abroad a little bit. Mexico, Spain, some other Latin American, Spanish speaking countries. And then later got my MBA and worked for, I worked for a university for a period of time while I was earning my MBA, like helping advise clubs and organizations, you know, and student affairs is what they call it. So I was okay. an associate director of student activities and all other duties as assigned. So a lot of student life, which a lot of people may not be aware of, even if they went to college, a lot of folks don't know that there is this, there are offices that are, that are tasked with outside of the classroom education for students and staff. So then I finished my MBA, started working for a consulting firm and was unexpectedly laid off. That's a fun story all in its own, but unexpectedly laid off. And that's when it was like, okay, I've always wanted to be a speaker. It's now or never. And for the last 15 years, you know, that's been my journey. Man, so from going from being being laid off to that, like talk me through that transition on how that was, you know, Ooh. being, yeah, that's that's tough. And that's what this show is about. It's about transition, reinvention, and transformation. So talk a little bit about that transition. You know, I tell folks really quick, you know, it's okay to get down, you just can't stay down. And you don't know when that moment's coming. Like I for me, I didn't like the consulting job that I had, but I was still kind of on top of the world for me. I was uh, getting paid more than I had at the time. I was getting paid 60K. It was more than I ever gotten paid before. I was traveling a lot. My friends thought I had the cool job, you know, because I was always on a plane. Uh, and then, you know, I thought I was getting a promotion and transferred to an office in Mexico. And uh, me and two of my other friends showed up at uh, showed up at the headquarters unexpectedly. Like, oh, what are you guys doing here? We got called into the VP's office and that's when we got laid off. You know, but like, yeah, it was super humbling. I mean, uh, we all were dressed nice. Obviously, we were, we were ready to go somewhere to hop mm-hmm. on a plane. And, uh, you know, I've never gotten any major trouble, never been to jail. I went to school. I did everything I was supposed to do. So for this to happen, it was it turned into probably one of the let's say there's three dark moments I've had in my life where I didn't know if I'd be able to come back from them. This was one of them. And because most people didn't know. I was, you know, I was ashamed. So I didn't share with my friends. I was kind of living out of the, out of a suitcase, out of the trunk of my car for a while, because since I was always traveling, I was always on the move. So my friends expected me to kind of be moving and shaking. And that, you know, it taught me a lot about myself. And there's a moment in time where you literally have to get up. And finally, you know, there was a, there are moments where I think we all kind of feel sorry for ourselves. Uh We stop ourselves from having fun from enjoying, from, I was turning down invitations with fun, cool people. It was all, like, it was just, a, it was like, people want to, want to get to a better place, but sometimes we get in our way. It's like, life is already, life can already be hard enough. We don't have to help it along. And it, there was one moment where I was like, you know what, let me, let me accept an invite. So I started hanging out more, going to the gym more. And at that time, I think I had gained like 30 extra pounds from working with the firm and, uh, you know, let me start writing more. Anyway, I just got back to what I call the basics. Mm-hmm. And that made all the difference in the world, man. It made all the difference to what saved my life. Yeah, absolutely. And so one thing that you do that absolutely scares me like crazy. And every time I think about what I would do if I was on stage and not necessarily from the public speaking aspect, but I know you do a little bit of stand up comedy. Is that correct? 
Yeah, 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 man. dude. That that scares me. Out of anything, I don't I don't mind you know public speaking at all, especially on topics obviously that I that I know and that I you know I'm someone of an expert in. But stand up comedy to to have a, the skill set to make people laugh who don't really know you that is very difficult. Like talk talk about that, man. I think everyone on the planet should do a couple of things. Like I think that everyone should work in the service industry in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and everyone should at least once do an open mic. For stand-up comedy, like the carry, <laughs> terrifying. In Super. three minutes, three minutes could feel like an eternity. But a lot of folks don't know that even, in, let's say, in Hollywood and people auditioning for hosting or comedy shows, sometimes those uh, those auditions are ninety seconds long. Sometimes no longer than three minutes when you're auditioning to be in a comedy club. So a lot can happen in three minutes. But it's like again, you learn so much about yourself. And I think you gain another level of confidence. Like it's, I call it like the, the effort level. Like, he, like um, every, every great, every great comedian has bombed. So who are we? So it's like, go out there and just try. And going out there with the right intention, because, you know, we're, we're competitive. So we always want to be better. Right. And I think that part right there, if, if folks are just willing to give it a shot. And I think the more willing, like I, I can tell most people, who've never either performed or been in front of people because they don't respect the stage. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like not like somebody, but when you don't, you can tell someone who's never done it before. Cause if you've ever been in front of people hosted a show, like there's a certain level of respect you have for people trying to make it happen. Exactly. Exactly. I I think everyone should try it. At least one. Absolutely. All right. So from those, that experience there and, you know, kind of your background in public speaking, what led you towards get, making it a business and making it your, your livelihood? That's yeah. different than just having it as a hobby and just kind of doing it on the side for that to, to go full on full blast with public speaking as a business. That's, that's not easy. And thank you. You know, I felt like I had a creative way of sharing my, of sharing my message. And, uh, and again, I found out that people did it. It's one of those things where you're like, well, people make money doing this. Like, well, and, and I grew up listening to most people know of Les Brown. I definitely grew up listening to Zig Ziglar a lot, who I would consider okay. like a Michael Jordan of speaking, if you will. And he didn't in, in Zig Ziglar, he didn't have to yell at you to help you understand or to motivate you or educate you. And I liked that. And uh, so just, you know, understanding that I was like, all right. And people get paid for what? And uh, the first time I ever got paid for it, I was like, I have to find a way to do this forever. And that's when I understood, that's when I had a better understanding of it's going to take more than being a good talker. I was always a great talker. But to get people to pay you, to help them, to educate you, to solve their problem, you have to be a great speaker. And it all, and I think as we try to improve our level of communication, opportunities come. My, my first paid opportunity came from someone who never heard me speak before. I was really? College, yeah, I was at a college uh, speaking for a conference. Just again, community service. Nothing. I'm n- never even passionate. Wasn't passionate about. I was just tasked with it. I'm leaving the room, and someone was like, "Hey, what do you want to do?" It was the most random question. I was like, oh, "Well, I want to do this." Again, I didn't even know what this was, and I got a call like two weeks later from someone who knew them. They said, "Hey, you want to speak at this leadership academy? We heard you were pretty good." And I was like, "What?" Anyway, I did it. And after that, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I, I got paid $700. Damn. For like two hours. Yeah, man. And I was like, oh, man. It, like $700 for two hours? I think I drove two hours. It was 
after that, I was, I was done. I was hooked. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. Where this came from. So knowing what you know now, uh, and the awareness that you have now, what do you think it was about you on that first presentation that was attractive to someone wanting, wanting you to get up there and speak and then paying you for it? Uh, you know, I, I cared. I cared like I, it was important to me to connect with my audience. And I think even to this day, I could have, again, a 60 minute talk, but I'm going to spend maybe a quarter of that getting to know my audience. And some speakers are afraid of that. But I equate it to the professor who is brilliant and they spend all their time trying to prove to the class how brilliant they are. Half the class fails because they want like this is how much I know when really. Nah, we know we what we do know is people are only gonna I'm sorry, retain a fraction of what you give them anyway. So if I can help them feel, think, laugh, connect, well then the battle's already won. Now they're rooting for me for the next 40 minutes. And I think that's something that I wish that folks were more comfortable with that. Like I don't have to rah-rah. I don't have to yell at you. I don't have to make you feel bad to move you to a place where you say you want to be. So what, what would you say some techniques are to get the audience, like especially a live audience, engaged? What are some yeah. things that you do? I love it. So there are three things I always swear by. That's be able to engage, to your point, engage, entertain, and educate. Like in that order, engage, mm. you know, ask people how they're feeling. Like on a scale from one to 10, I usually use that barometer. Like on a scale from one to 10, one being, uh, 10 being, I feel amazing. And like, because people usually ask other people how they're doing, but they never ask themselves how they're doing. I'm a stranger. I, like walking the door. I want to know how you feel before I say anything that you think is going to matter. Like I'm checking in on you and teaching you how to check in with yourself. The next one is to entertain. And people think to, to entertain means I have to be able to dance or sing. You just have to be interesting. Like, have you done anything or experienced something that other people haven't experienced? And because we're so close to it, Sometimes you're not thinking about that thing that you overcame or that funny experience that you had. But the truth is television is entertainment. Not everything on television is singing and dancing and laughing. It's entertainment. So can you like captivate in some way? And again, you don't, it doesn't have to be a song and a dance and it doesn't have to be intense. This has to be you being interesting and then your ability to educate folks in a way they can understand. Like speak clearly, speak simply the way that you would want someone to speak to you. So I always tell folks, like, try not to make your audience guess, because if your audience is guessing the outcome or guessing what their experience is going to be, you will almost always fail or have a difficult time. I tell folks in the beginning of my talks, I'll say, hey, this is going to be one of the best talks you've ever experienced in your life, in part because uh, I'm here. The other reason is because you're here. And because I'm going to give you everything that I have right now. And as a matter of fact, this might be unfair to speakers after me because you're going to be like, man, you're not even like Stan. <laughs> what folks don't understand is like I'm, I'm teaching them right then on how to connect with me. I'm educating them on the experience they're about to have. So when I tell them everything and then I meet that expectation, like I'm, I'm educating them from the very beginning with the likely outcome. And I even say, I'll say, listen, honestly, like 90% of you all are going to love me at the end of this. 10% are going to pretend like you don't. I say that, but people are like, yo, that's, he-. however, I can't afford to have them guessing what their experience is going to be like. There's always going to be outliers, but I want them to know, oh, this guy is real. 
And I think other speakers on whatever platform, because honestly, people in any industry can get paid to speak in their industry, whatever industry, but they should be comfortable enough telling their audience what it's going to be and then working their way there. So that being said, what do you think are like the most common struggles that entrepreneurs, they, you know, they come to you, hey, Stan, like I want to be able to close business deals on a stage. Like what, what do you, what do you see as far as like, yeah, there's struggles, common commonalities amongst those people. Yeah. You know, people, you know, obviously confidence, but ultimately sometimes we, we speak, you know, we speak for standing ovations. We want to feel good. But if the audience doesn't feel anything, if we're not challenging the audience, if we aren't letting them know what the outcome should be, they'll just clap, give us a round and then forget that we exist at the very end. So even if we're talking about from a business standpoint, I'll let folks know, hey, raise your hand if you feel like you learned anything that was useful while you're in here with me. All right. Keep your hand raised if you know someone that this can benefit in some way, shape or form. Boom. And, and I'm not I'm working mm. from the very beginning. It's that kind of I want to get them in this. So through for 45 or 60 minutes, they're doing this. So when the ask or when the opportunity comes. It's like, hey, so I have some opportunities to work with me later on. And uh, we've had a great fit thus far. Why wouldn't we fit more in the future? I mean, the, the entire time is like soothing people and helping them get to know me. And that's what sales and marketing is. To your point, to your words, it's like it's an attraction. And if you've never been on a date, if you've never because everything is sales, if you've never been on a date, you've never sold it, like maybe you're just bad at sales and marketing. But that's OK. There's hope for you. But I think every there's been uh, this uh, this negative connotation associated with sales. But I think people just don't understand that everything we everything do, is a sale. Every everything, everything, everything. From the minute you post on Instagram to you know, every, yeah, everything yes. is everything. Yeah, everything. But people don't know it. So what they're doing is like they're attracting things, but they're in less control. Like the people who connect with me on social media. I like to think that I attract the kind of people that I want around me. Like I'm more in control. Now there's some scragglers, some random things, but if you post randomly, like you can't really control the kind of attention you get. You're just going to get attention. And that attention, I think I posted recently about being a celebrity, like be a celebrity to the people that you, that had the ability to pay you. Everything else is just noise. Everything else is just noise and, and random attention that we don't know you know, if we want it or not, because a lot of folks can't even deal with the attention that they get. They think they want more, but attention is a bear. It's a bear. It is. It is. So I don't know how you feel about the word hack. And we use this a lot in the performance industry. Hey, you know, five hacks to do this, five hacks to do that. And it's not something that, you know, it's not a word that I, that I use, but what would you say some very simple strategies are for people who are going to be getting up on stage or presenting in front of an audience, something very short and simple. I know it's a skill set. It's not to disrespect, you know, what you do or, you know, the people in your area or whatever, because I know it's an art form. I know it takes a long time to get really, really good at it, but what are some simple strategies that can immediately make an impact on an audience? I know you said one of them, obviously asking questions and that kind of goes to what you were saying about engaging right away. What are some other simple things? So I know it has to go a lot deeper than just imagining people naked. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
for sure. <laughs> has to go deeper than that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So really, I like I have something called like your speaker roadmap. I, I like using the roadmap and map stands for. We're, we're actually going to get into that right next. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. So that's... I'll, hold, I'll hold back a little bit if you want me to. Yeah, yeah. So like just in terms of like some, some subtle hacks, uh, I believe, again, so much comes from confidence and knowing your craft. So I tell people to think of their favorite show, their favorite movie that they ever watched. Like, yes, they're great actors, but before the great acting came great writing. And then with that great writing, the actors promised to stick to the script. The, the best actors, not, some of them take liberties, but ultimately writers want actors to stick to the script. The beauty about speaking is it's, I tell people it's the, it's the greatest sport of all time because you can practice it all the time by yourself. Some of the best keynotes I've ever given, no one ever heard them. I was in my, I was in my car. I was in my house talking to myself, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, 100%. So I think if people are willing to uh, make three points in their talk, and this will lead to that, but uh-huh. three points that they want to make sure that they address and then stick to the script. And everywhere they go, everything they do, work on like, get those reps in. So if they're doing IG lives or Facebook or making content videos, they should literally be able to do those three things in their sleep. Like I usually go three, five, or seven, but folks who want to be laser, razor sharp, start with three. We think in threes, morning, noon, and night, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So those three things, like I tell people, hey, you're good, you're great, you're worth it. Look good, feel good, be good. Like that resonates with folks, it's in threes. So that, that's a definite, definite hack. And this goes for folks that are trying to get that promotion. They have to present at their nine to five, have those three points and then stick to the script and then craft a a strong opening and close no matter what. Strong opening, strong close, no matter what. And for those folks like, no, I don't, that doesn't work. People get tired of hearing me. They're the same Coca-Cola commercials been on tap for how long? Like commercials run regularly all the time. But because we're close to it, we get tired of ourselves. Nah, we need people to say what who we are when we're not around. And the best way to do that is by repping it up. There you go. There you go. All right. So let's get right into that that map. So yeah. for the listeners, I was doing a little bit of research on Stan and I was looking at his YouTube channel and I just got caught up watching one of his videos. I thought was amazing. I thought I think a lot of people should know this content that's in this video. So take us through that roadmap that you that you have for people who want to to take that next step yeah you know listen folks you have to you have to know where you're going you have to have some kind of destination in mind obviously vision is important but if we're talking about as i call it the perfect presentation or being able to communicate with folks in a way that makes people want you to talk more like that's an art form. And part of that is having your roadmap. And those three simple things, yet effective, are you have to have a, like a message. And I tell people a message worth paying for. Like, is your talk, are your words worth paying for? Mm-hmm. Like we have intellectual property. So you have to think about it. And not just every story is going to work. Even if it was tremendous, can you put it in a way where folks are going to say, tell me more? Can you help people, as I say, say uh, can you help people get in, your, in their parallel universe? So that when you're talking, they feel like they're right there with you while it's happening. Like that's the power of a message. And then I, identifying the proper audience for your message. So that's, so that's number two. So we have your message of your audience. It's, there's nothing more frustrating 
then again, it'd be like doing stand-up comedy. You're at a comedy club and then you get up and deliver a seminar. Like that's not the right audience. Like is, they're not there for that. But people make that mistake all the time in speaking. They aren't, it's like the, the person that really posts random things or maybe it's divisive, maybe it's fight video. I don't know. Let's say they just start posting random things on social media like that. And then all of a sudden they become a motivator. People are going to be looking at their content. Like, I think we've all seen that person. Mm-hmm. Like this person, like who, like who, this person isn't positive. What are they? It's not the proper audience. So it's not resonating with who they wanted. To. And then it, there's a cycle. It, takes well, it goes to back to what you just said about message and, and message being confused, you know, for sure, for sure. And then people don't trust your message. Mm-hmm. It's not clearly defined. And so that's the, the important part about that's what makes, again, sales getting back to that really easy. Because when they're always warm people or folks that speak your language, then it's going to be easier to welcome them deeper into your world. And then the, the next one is just promote. As I tell folks, like promote prosperity. So we have your, your message, have the proper audience, and then promote prosperity, like promote it nonstop. And like for anyone listening, watching, I tell folks, like, think about the coolest thing you've ever done. And I mean, you might have to go to the well. You might, it's, it's probably something you haven't thought about for years. Think about that thing and then talk about it until, you've, until you're exhausted of it. And then talk about it some more. Like, because you can like break it down. Like, it's like a playbook. Like, obviously anyone who's played sports, working, like you can break down any move 10 times, 20 times, 100 times. So think about that one cool thing that you did there are tons of different elements to it. Those elements can become content. It can become a keynote all on its own. It can, be, it can become a cool story and a work interview, interview for a job. Like these are things that folks aren't ready to crank out. But what if you were just locked in? You're like, yo, anytime I go to a job interview, they're going to ask me something about myself. And then boom, I'm going to hit them with these three points. It's this cool story. I'm going to have my map ready or my keynote presentation about my my message, proper audience, and then I'm just going to promote it nonstop. And if people can really just step back and go, all right, what are the five coolest things, if let's say professionally, that I've ever done professionally, the five coolest things, okay, what are the five most awesome things I've ever done personally? What are the five best things that have ever happened to me? And then you may also go, what are the, the five most difficult moments or times I've ever had in my life? From those 15 things, you can easily pull one or two and build around them. And through those, through those amazing things, there's going to be some ups and downs. Through the horrible moment you had, there's going to be some ups and downs and some unexpected laughs. But that's a part of that craft piece. If folks are willing just to do that, like sit down and write out those five things or three things per moment, they could have material for years to come. That's awesome. That truly is. Why do you think people are so fearful of promoting themselves? I see a lot of people who have this passion and desire of starting this side hustle, right? And they announce it to the world one time and they may have not gotten the interaction or engagement just their first try. So they, all of a sudden they stop posting about it. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's embarrassment, man, because, you know, folks, especially when they announce something, they just expect it to work, but it doesn't. It doesn't at first because people think, it's like a pet rocket. Oh, 
look at Stan. Oh, <laughs> right. So people think it's cute. So <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna like it. people are gonna like this episode, man. <laughs> I'm Go glad and love y'all. It's like people are gonna think that oh, it's cute. Oh, it's so cute. And then when other people, there's gonna be, I call it like just like this purgatory when you start to do well. And the folks that you thought would kind of support you that thought it was cute, they're going to start either counting your money or counting the attention you're going, and they're going to step away. And then, like, you'll become a rock star, and then they'll come back. Like, it's, that's literally how it works. So it's really important to just focus on the thing that you enjoy. And if you do that enough, the right people will find you. Most of the people that support me or rock with me are not my closest friends. Now, even myself, I had to get over that because I'm like, yo, I'm good. Like, what, why why what, do you what, think that is, though? I mean, we're not psychologists by any means, but yeah. this is this is pretty common in human nature. Is this Definitely kind of, common. I don't know. Yeah. You know, people have, people in their minds, they see where you should be. Like, you have a vision for you. Other people have a vision for you. And whenever you begin to escape what they had planned for you, it's like, oh, well, what are, what are they doing? It's like people put us in, in different boxes. And when you begin to escape the box, expand the box, and sometimes it's those folks that wish that they had done it, but they didn't. So sometimes it's shame of, of them being ashamed of themselves because I've had friends that I, that I tried to help. That I believed in a lot. I'm like, yo, you should really do. No, no, no. You, I'll, I'll just help you. You really should do. not trying to push them. And then as I began to rise, the relationship suffered for whatever reason. So I think a part of it is, you know, personal shame. And the other ones, you know, people, they begin to count your money, count your success, count your friends. And then they don't want to be a part of, they don't want to be a part of that. But then again, when you go boom, they, they always return. Like they always return. So for you folks that are listening or watching right now, I promise you, that's why you have to, you have to focus on, on yourself and you have to do it for you. I want to say that I, I think I did a pretty good job of making sure I was never like, you know what, I'm going to prove that person wrong. I didn't get into that because all too often you end up chasing someone else's dream. So imagine, you know, you're trying to prove your friend, your family member wrong, but you're chasing their vision, which is nothing compared to your own. So now you end up smaller. And then on top of that, seldom, seldom do you achieve at the level that you wanted to. And then that person goes, you're right. I was wrong. Like seldom do they ever do that. So again, long answer to your short question. That's what it is. Personal shame. And then people having their own expectation for you. Like, oh, no, Jared's only going to be this good. Oh, no, Stan, they're only going to be this good. And then you go, boom. They're like, oh, snap. I didn't expect that. Now they can't come back and say, oh, man, I'm really proud of you. I've been there for it. I rocked with it. You know what? Listen, I know I didn't support you. I really should have. You know, it, I mean, all that stuff happens. I've, right. I've seen friends buy from other friends. I've seen friends support other people and pretend like I didn't exist. But I think me just getting better and better. And this is a constant process, by the way. Me just getting better and better and just putting my head down and pushing forward. And last but certainly not least, can I curse? I don't want to curse. Yeah, curse. Okay, but just, I'm just going to say this, man. Do dope shit. You cannot be ignored. Do dope shit and people will find you. They'll want to be around you and whatever, like be what you'd like to watch. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. be that. We all have our own little TV stations. 
called social media, like be what you'd like to watch, create it however you can on a shoestring budget or whatever you have or don't have, create with that and then ride the wave. Absolutely. Damn. Awesome episode, brother. I appreciate your time as always. If someone wants to get a hold of you, they have some questions for you, want to work with you, what's the best way to for them to get a hold of you? If you're on Instagram, just go to Stan Pearson, I-I-P-E-A-R-S-O-N, and then stanpearson.com. And last but certainly not least, if you're like, hey, I want to learn how to be a better speaker, just go to the speakercircle.club, the speakercircle.club. But honestly, if you just go to my Instagram, Stan Pearson, I-I, you'll find everything you need to know and awesome. more. Awesome. Again, brother, I appreciate you so much, dude. Likewise, we'll Thank be in you. touch again, man. I look forward to it. Have a blessed rest of the day. 